Hello and welcome to The Dive presented by Honda, season four, episode 27. As a reminder, Kobe is finishing up his vacation and I will be taking some time off this coming week, which is why we are recording this early on Sunday. And Freak graciously joined us here today. Thank you so much. And Freak, we've got to start this off. You know, it's been a, a big topic in the community, Freak being disappointed <laughs> with things lately. Yeah. Uh, people seem to really enjoy your disappointment. And as someone who has had to live with it for a lot of years, you know, <laughs> it, 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 grates, it grates on me maybe a little bit more than it does in the community. But, you know, where's the positive Freak? Wh- who are you proud oh. of, Freak? Uh, you know, I've really got to know. Yeah. Well, first of all, Zale, I'm proud of you uh, and oh, the rest of the you. broadcast team. I mean, you're all amazing. Let's let's be very clear about this one. You're all wow. great. Uh, but as far as aiming at LCS teams overall, I am proud of Team Liquid. Um, I think they have been steadily improving over time. I think at the start, I remember Mark, you had a, you had a line about uh, TL being this is the, this is the biggest one game gap I've ever seen, which was an amazing quote, by the way. I love that from last week. Um, uh, it doesn't hold up well. <laughs> it doesn't hold up anymore because now it's a zero game gap. But 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 TL like biggest in their more recent wins ever seen have been way more convincing than they were in the first few weeks. Uh, you know, I held my TL stock, and you know now they're a solid eight and two or something. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I made really good choices. Good job, me. Or uh, I guess yeah, even farther up there, ten. Um, yeah, so I'm really pleased with TL overall. Um, very pleased with, uh, I mean, a little bit of Golden Guardians. Like, I mean, they are really clapping early game. There's still more to fix, but it feels like this is a team that has gotten better split over split over split over split over split. That's really cool to see. Um, and the Dignitas, I mean, they had the three the three win run, I think was really solid for that as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, am, I am generally speaking very happy when new players get a shot or academy players get pulled up and actually get to do well. Like, it was cool to see Treats do pretty well. Um, the other loss, not really his fault. Um, I think everyone but Treats can be blamed for that one, uh, that catastrophe. But like, I think, I think Double been... played pretty good that game too. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little jokey about this one. The game is a catastrophe and Treats is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, anytime those players come up, so it's like cool to see Lolo come back, cool to see Viper have a good ribbon game. Like, uh, all, like Poom and, and the rest of the Poom gang, like that's, that's been fun, even though 100 Thieves are doing only okay. It's like, that, that's fun to see a lot. I was going to ask. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask along the line of the disappointed thing, though. Is this like, was this a conscious decision to start doing it? And then now no. the community has latched on as well. Are you like trying to make sure that you don't get sucked too far into being like, I know they Absolutely. like it. Time to roast them now that I've, I've the, the community likes it. Right. I am, I am a hyper conscious of the like, wow, I roasted like two teams in back to back days. Like this needs to not be a habit. Like, um, yeah, I would have probably laid into Dignitas a lot more than you and Flowers did Azale off that last game. I mean, man, that game was a stinker. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think crap. I said that that was like absolutely terrible. Oh, I know. I, I, <laughs> I would actually, have turned that up. I actually love the commentary, how, like, just how, like, conversational it became because there was nothing hype going on. And so, like, yep. <laughs> by the end, it was like just two guys on a park bench, you know? <laughs> like, that's <laughs> how it sounded. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, but but yeah, I, I really don't want to be like the naysayer guy. Like, I, I want to be honest about like, look, when something is really, really stupid, you got to say it. Like, yeah. I think it's okay to be a little bit harsh and you're being funny. That That's generally the way I try to interact with my friends as well. Is like, I, I, I kind of do like the nagging, but it's meant to be in a positive way. Like, as, hey, we're positive friends, we're going to say this thing. I, I know, but, but, but you know, jokingly, right? Like, um, you know, when, when uh, it's, it's the clip that went on Reddit yesterday and it was like, oh, it was award for award when Speak had died for-, for That was more of a joke though. Exactly, right? But, and yet that was the entire comment chain because I read it this morning was like, oh, I love Savage Freak. I made fun of, I'm like, I didn't really make fun of Speak. It's just the TSM joke. But like, that's like, that's the thing everyone's pulling at now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I really don't want to be the guy who flames teams because I think a lot of teams are quite good. But yeah, I, I want to say like, look, when something is complete garbage, I want to call it complete garbage. I mean, I think that's that's the main thing, right? It's yeah. just being authentic with it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if something is trash, call it trash. If something is great, call it great. And if you're doing that effectively, I think you're doing a good job as a caster. And you know, you're you're building hype when it's deserved, and you're you're criticizing teams when they deserve that too, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, oh, that Dig Toss game was seriously terrible. Like, if, oh, yeah. if I oh, if I gosh. sit there and and I am watching that game as a fan. And the caster is like, wow, this is really like some tight action here. You know, like, oh, maybe the Kog'Maw is still going to win. Like, oh, they're just you know, really taking their cog. moment. Yeah, like you're, you're insulting, right? You're just actually yeah. like insulting my intelligence as, as a viewer, as a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people are feeling the same things you are oftentimes. Like we're, yeah. we watch so much League of Legends. <laughs> you know, we have the same reactions and, mm-hmm. and thoughts of like, oh my God, this game is trash or holy crap, this game is so hype or look at that cool thing and we get really excited about it, right? And yep. and I think fans like that when it's authentic and I think that's why it's kind of uh, resonated, you know, when, when Freak has done it right. because it was just like, your reaction was like, what the hell? <laughs> so vehement, right? Yeah. It's giving yourself the permission to be like vehemently disappointed, like just mm-hmm. like visibly angry. Uh, I think like, again, really, really sparing, but when it deserves it, it deserves it. And, and that's like, Cathartic that's, almost for the community. That's why I like the analyst desk, man. Like we came yeah. back from that game and I just pretended to be asleep. You know, like I get <laughs> I get I get legroom on the desk to do all like the weird stuff that like doesn't quite fit in the cast. Like yeah. I mean that's that's definitely one of the things I enjoy the most about it. Mm-hmm. I still remember one time playing an ARAM with Freak and we were playing with some some friend of mine who like hadn't played League of Legends in like months and months and Freak was just like hard flaming them and they were like, I'm new, like please, you know, like I'm gonna be bad this game and it was okay, like, hold on. It was like you're a trash. Right, so moving on to, not true. <laughs> moving on to the LCS guys, we gotta get into the game. Been twisted every time you freak pulled it. I think I made like one comment because I forgot which player it was and it was meant as a joke. It was you like, thought it was your yeah, friend or something played, but it was yeah. like someone who had like never played league of legends you're just <laughs> blasting them it was I, my memory it was one comment meant as a joke <laughs> not like bro just just lay this it's like i never that's not <laughs> it was just really funny to me so i, I thought it, i thought i'd I I bring know. that up all right lcs this weekend uh big surprise for me was the fact that cloud nine lost again right and, and this wasn't uh one that i think you can just be like oh but their draft though they played they played pretty normal stuff i think they they just didn't play as well as their opponents uh we saw them actually just get kind of like straight up ran over in a pretty normal game by eg and eg you know hasn't been able to necessarily replicate that success going forward but like cloud nine i think there are more and more games where it's starting to add up right they're still the best team in the league i think and i can confidently say i feel like they're they're significantly stronger than tl still overall but they have been you know close in quite a few games in the early game now you know that has is definitely true and they have picked up two losses right so they're they're not looking so invincible anymore there's more and more games where it's like oh you can actually beat this team um as long as they don't just have winning matchups you know across the board it's feeling feeling more like that I mean, even like some trends in terms of their losses starting to crop up. Like one for me is definitely wondering about their their mid champion pool in terms mm-hmm. of like, okay, Niski's great. I still have him power rank number one, but this is a Syndra loss and a Cassio loss. I know he can play Cass. It was one of his best champs back on in the EU and Splice and stuff, but like doesn't seem to work well if Blabber is on 
Jarvin and he's on cast or like they're, they're playing any sort of dynamic like that where one's more initiator set up for, for blabber and it's supposed to be setting Niski up. Whereas it m- works much better when Niski is, is like kind of set up and assist for, for blabber. So yep. part of me is like, is this just something they're going to be bad at? Like, are they, should, should they just not be a Syndra, Cassio, Control Mage, Oriana kind of mid team? I think it's okay, personally. Like, I'm, I'm, as, as a fan, I'm always, I, I really enjoy when teams have a style and I'm like, oh, it's this team. They do X. Like, I, I enjoy being able to categorize a team like that and it works in like two thirds of their games. Like, yeah, they're mostly this, right? Doing B plays his Malphites and Nautiluses. Like, that's great. Like, I don't want that guy to be in his ear. I mean, I want the guy to keep doing his funky stuff. I love that. That's great. You know, pull back the Scion, pull back the Galleys, et cetera. That sounds great. So, yeah, I, I'm happy for it to be, look, this is, Cloud9 is a team where Blabber goes in and the team follows him up and they're going to int together, but it's not going to be int because they're better than you, or at least they're more coordinated than you, or at least they're more surprising than, than you're expecting, or their mechanics are good enough that it's going to work out for them. Like, it's not just that they go forward and have no brains. Like, they're clearly smart enough in how they do it. But that's where all their strengths actually are. Like, you know, at, no player's ever, a, a, like, a complete, like, a, like, the complete package where they're perfect at everything. There are strengths and weaknesses carved in and out. And, like, look, the strengths of C9, at least for the parts that are, like, really active in the early game, are very good at going in and working well together. It's like, cool. That's where they are strongest and the very best in North America and among the best in the world. So just play those comps. Because mm-hmm. that is actually where your strengths lie. And that's how you beat teams like Dom Juan. I guess I would argue, though, I feel like Syndra kind of fits in that, where it's like, like, Syndra is great when you're having these early skirmishes and 2v2s and things, sure. you know, like, like post six, Syndra plus a jungler, most of the time you're betting on the on the Syndra side, right? You know, yeah. I, I do think it's really strong. You know, the, the ability to roam is is less. Um, but, but I think that it's like, you can't, you can't pitch and hold, hold yourself too much. You know, if you're saying it's like only the the absolute best roaming champions are are allowed to be picked for him, right? Like, what what are you giving him? Are you giving him like Galio TF and and like LeBlanc, and that's it? Because that that's not enough. He is right? good, by like, the way, just for what it's worth. Yeah, like, fair. There's you know some other undiscovered champions, but that's like that's that's a tangential point. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I'm not saying it literally every time you have to play exactly this style. I mean, Niski has like, t- what is it? Ten games. 10 champions played among 12 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's got a whole bunch of one-ups over there. There's an Azir game. There's a, you know, there is a Cinder game in there. Yep. But like my memory of the 100 Thieves loss from last week, like the other time they lost was like, well, yeah, but that was Licorice getting slammed and like top lane was doomed, right? Like that, that you know, was its own kind of special situation where they just kind of bled out everywhere and, and you know, they just could never quite catch back up, right? They went for Wukong, which is a weak lane, but you try to mid-game spike. But if every lane loses, there's no mid-game spike. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that was the one-off. The, the So, you know, the, the, there's parts where you can kind of give it a pass, whatever. The EG loss was like, wow, EG played it really well. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could just call that team stepping up, I guess. Uh, but that's, that's obviously kind of a, a weak statement. Yeah, I mean, they did still get one roam off and top dive pre- 10 minutes. I forget exactly what time it was in the yeah. game, the Syndra move, but it's still like harder. And when like the Syndra is dominating mid, I usually feel like the way that the spillover happens is like the Syndra is like the ganker is coming to Syndra and they're making an impact on that lane to then free the Syndra versus like when he plays Zoe, who is just like F the wave, you know, like I'm out of here. I'm going top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think it's quite the same. And not that you can't play that a similar style with Syndra or not that, you know, it's, C9 will never win with these, but it's just not leaning into what seems to be your team's strengths. And I yeah. think there's enough champions that can play to your team's strengths that you don't need to explore this other style. I guess I guess I would just argue, though, that it's like when we look at Spring, for example, two of the champions mm-hmm. I liked most 
for, for Niski was Vegar when he brought it out situationally and Yasuo, right? And those, those were not roaming champions really, right? You know, Vegar right, yeah. is, is pretty slow scaling and, uh, the Yasuo is kind of what you're describing with Syndra, where they would play Yasuo Gragas and things like this, and they would attack that lane, right? So I, I do think that having, you know, multiple ways to actually play out the game is very important. Um, I don't think that you have to play every single champion that is meta if there is one particularly that doesn't fit your play style. I mean, you know, look, looking at his career stats, uh, Zoe's is most played, but then it is Cassio and Syndra right behind that, and they both have good win rates, 21 plus plays, right? So it's it's not as though he doesn't know how to play the champions. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. if if we want to say like Cassio is maybe too slow or something, I get that. I think that that makes sense. But I do think you know if you're trying to go beyond doing what they've already shown that they can do, which is you know dominate dominate the LCS, they did that in spring. Uh, you know they're on their way to doing that in summer if they can you know kind of continue bouncing back, but. You, you have to have flexibility. And one of the things that I have always associated Cloud9's international success with throughout all their iterations is flexibility and playing different play styles and impact pulling out Singed. And I was like, well, no other team would have done that. No one would have picked Singed for their top laner here except Cloud9. You know, and, and being able to have those surprises, I think has often led to their success because they don't play uh, just one way, right? And and I think that, you know, I, I would be... Um, against them losing that because i've always felt like uh the fact that their players are flexible and willing to play all this stuff gives mm-hmm. reaper much more strength as a coach like i think he's sure. the best coach in the league and has been for a while and he also is working with some of the best tools right and if you take away the the, the breadth of options um then it, it does really limit you in some ways right and and i wasn't the biggest fan of like the wukong senna i, I don't think it necessarily uh, played to their bot lane strength because they're so good in 2v2 and you kind of just auto lose that lane and so on and so forth uh you give up some of your late game win conditions but like i liked the fact that they could play it you know theoretically you know someone has to be worried about it if it's like oh this comp is really bad into that well now you know they can play it right and that's kind of my argument yeah I mean, ultimately to sum up, like, I still think that they should still edge towards that play style. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, he can play these other things. I mean, you look at Spring Split, right? Nine nine games on Zoe in that one, lost a single game on that champion. You compare Spring to Summer for Niski specifically, he's down five CSD in both splits, and he's up 300 gold at both splits, right, at 15 minutes. Like, he, he has a style that he is good at, and you should pick him champions that are good for that style. Like, I don't want this guy to be on Azir sitting back and farming because... Yes, technically you can push waves on Azir and then roam down to bot lane to do the play, but like you clearly have a tendency and a skill set that you're very good at. So just pick champs that do that thing. Zoe pushes fast, Rumble pushes fast, Galio TF just press R and they're there. Like that's okay. Like I I still am, you know, to, to come back to the first point, I'm happy with that guy having a style that he plays in 85% of games. And occasionally when it's like, okay, they're so strong to play TF, they like free counter pick and you're like, yeah, this is my this is my one Cassiopeia game that's gonna work for the comp. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely not like an all-in argument. Like you don't have to put every single egg in the I'm exactly like Doinby and only play his Malphite mid style. Like the Vigar counterpick is a great one where if they're going to play Azir against me, I have two options now. I can go around the Azir or I can try and destroy it with, you know, the Vigar. I mean, it's like, I would be, it would be weird for me to see an AP COG game from him only because even if it's the counterpick to Azir and the match is really good and the champ's good, I just don't know if it plays into his strengths or cloud nine strengths. Really? Like that's, See, like, like maybe I, maybe it is good, right? But like, yeah. But it, it make it it makes C nine show you a different style. And look, if that style works, then great. But we have seen when they don't play that style, it's one of their losses. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. the only concern I have, right? And I, guess, I think it's okay. I guess when I th- when I think of a lot of Cloud Nine throughout this year, like how much friggin' Yumi, Ezreal, you know, Zoe style of stuff did they play? 
because like, it, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot from my recollection they did. and i do feel like that kind of fits in with that that same you know same kind of grouping as far as you know comps and being able to set up and control vision you have to check a lot of the same boxes and you play it out you know in in a similar style of of, of play mm-hmm. um yes it is different in that zoe can be more proactive and be more the right. person starting it up and like do these crazy things that is sometimes where niski shines where you know he's like flashing and then onto a flash right. and then using that to flash his r forward and killing people and, like you don't get that explosive uh, kind of sort of plays with like an AP cog, but as far as how you play out the game and set up around objectives and play around dragons and barons and everything, I think the AP cog plays very similar to how uh, how a Zoe does in in a lot of those kind of situations. I think agency though is a big thing to yeah. like not overlook. Like two things yeah. can be poke champs, but one can pick up like three flashes and jump into a team fight course, and do nutso yeah. stuff. And Kago's like, I, I hope my R accuracy was real good and I positioned well. Like yeah. it's it's definitely like. Once you get into how you actually play the champs and like pre six power, cog is n- not a factor at all. Pre six, you just sit there and hope you don't die. Like, and, and like, I think all those things are th- like, I'm fine with C9 experimenting a little bit during the regular season, as we say. Um, but come playoffs, like, you know, it's, I think it's good to have a more defined this is what we do really well. We know it. And you're like, even if we lose on it, we're going to run it back in or something. You know, like, I like when teams have confidence in some of that stuff. So what do you guys think then, you know, is this just kind of like two random games who cares or is cloud nine actually getting, getting solved? I'll say. Eh, A little column A, a little column B. I think, uh, you know, I like, I think spring split, let's be honest, our teams were Garbo other than C9. Yep. Like if like ninth place TL and, you know, CLG was a dumpster fire and all these other things that are going on. Like, I just don't think teams are at that level anymore. Like, I don't think, FlyQuest and EG have catastrophically played worse than they did in spring. I think other teams have leveled yeah. up more to them. And that's why I think we're seeing C9 struggle a little bit more. Um, but I still Even think bottom easy- teams can be threatening when, they, when they're on their yeah. game now. Yeah. I mean, 100 Thieves are in eighth, and they're one of two teams who have beaten Cloud9. They're still only at four wins right now. Yep. Like, I absolutely agree with that. I think, I think Mark is Immortals is the most as well. Here. Yep. Immortals is totally solid. Yep. So no, I agree. I, I mean, I, I do think that the teams have leveled up, um, but I will still say I still feel like Cloud9 is the clear number one team. I yep. still do feel mm-hmm. like there is a significant gap. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more pleased with the way that they are playing out the games than TL. TL though, deserving of a lot of credit, they are now tied for first, which is it, it's funny because I know you know you were talking about this before. I think. Um, before it went live, but Freak was complimenting Mark on saying this is like the biggest one game gap essentially ever, right? You know, that this idea that it's like, yeah, they're they're tied in the standings or they're close in the standings, but in everyone's head, it's not close, right? And I've seen other people kind of expressing that same sentiment. Travis had some sort of tweet like that, like in the mental power rankings, Cloud9 is still so far above uh, where TL is. You know, th- I think it's maybe starting to change. TL has looked so much better in, in the last uh, handful of games, I would say, than the earlier ones. You know, even uh, in in an earlier C9 interview, I think it was maybe their game after after TSM or something, where Cloud9, I think it was Ven was saying, oh yeah, TSM is clearly the second best team. You know, TL kind of just like, had random wins and kind of got lucky and and a lot of people felt like that uh about a lot of their earlier games but they've been much more dominant now they haven't necessarily relied on throws from their opponents anymore it feels like they're more you know playing uh, around their power spikes and just kind of playing the the kind of standard tl style of the last couple of years which is the slow team fight style where you outscale your opponents a lot of the time uh, i'm not convinced that that's the way to win the split or to dominate internationally, because I think that's the same way that, uh, you know, they played for years. And I think that's the same way that TSM played for years when they were dominating. 
I do think that a faster style of League of Legends is proving around the world to be superior. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that TL is improving from their like previous championship form, but obviously that's still pretty damn good. And they're looking like, you know, a clear, a clear second place and potentially a team that given their, their kind of track record of improvement so far could be a team to challenge cloud nine later on. Well, what's fun is TL plays cloud nine, uh, second game on Sunday next week. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, that's the game I had my eyes on a, a lot of four. And, and I tend to agree like with your point that, yeah, faster League of Legends is probably better League of Legends, right? Get lane pressure to get free turret plates, stack the first two drakes because they have like 5,000 total health each. Like it's really, really easy. First Herald is worth 480 gold at a minimum and probably also the turret. It's like, okay, there's actually a lot that you can do if your first 15 minutes is really strong. Um, And at that point, you should probably keep the pressure up, right? You know, it's weird to have like, oh, we're the really lane dominant team but we're going to wait for late game. Like it doesn't really work. Right. So, so, so yeah, I do have concerns that a slow and standard style can be the actual top tier without simply outscaling your opponents, uh, which is kind of why I'm like, Hey, cloud, nine, keep playing, you know, this style uh, that said in, you know, under a week, we're going to figure that out. Right. And that's going to be fun to watch for, because look, if it actually is really possible to just like keep up in the jungle, you know, Brox has shown that he can do that. Uh, and, and your laners are so dominant. I mean, Jensen should have a field day in mid lane where um, anytime we see Niski roam, he's going to lose a turret plate uh, in a lot of these cases. And it's like, okay, well, you might've gotten to kill bot lane one out of three times, but Jensen got 300 gold back from killing, you know, your turret pressure. And now when Harold gets summoned, mid's cracked and, you know, that didn't require very much, but well, Broxy just took top when you ganked bot. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, you know, that kind of stuff could be interesting to watch for. Um, you know, a more reactive style, a more defensive style played well, probably can match up pretty decently. But I think that's more about counter punching and, and getting something for the absence than, than just not dying to ganks, which is, you know, mm-hmm. not really a, a correct play style. It's not, it's not really possible, I guess, is really the way I want to say it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that plays out because TL do look very, very good. I think they have powered up to the point where the fight looks competitive. And, yes, the Anonymous shown some cracks. I'll I'll play the stinker in this. I, okay. I don't – I'm like – are they the second-best team in the LCS? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm – like, they have so many of these things where you're watching and you're like, Nah, I'm not. No, Broxa having zero percent kill participation through thirty minutes or whatever it was, and ending with twenty five percent after like a Nexus fight, is like that's just so weird. It's like I'm I'm like in the Twilight Zone, being like the game that was won without a jungler, and like you know I'm like, what? How is this happening? And like they're clearly really good. Core AJ is popping off in that game. Jensen's you know had a weird early game. and Jensen have been monsters. Yeah, yes. they're they're hulking out together. Tactical is obviously great. Impact is good, uh, and I think he has his role in the team. He's not asked to shine, and so it's kind of natural he won't as much. Um, But I can't help but look at it and go, nah, man, like, you're not not selling me. This is fool's gold. Like, there's something still wrong in terms of how explosive they are, their their average game time, their average win time. They have the second-best early game. They get these big leads off laning like you're talking about. They absorb enemy pressure, but they never turn it into giant leads. They're the second lowest in terms of major deficit, which means the amount of time the enemy is basically beating them. People don't get advantages on them. But then they also don't close games quickly. And like their jungler is not at all on the same page. Brock's one of the lowest on kill participation in the league. Like there is still clearly yep. a cog in this machine missing. Yes. And I like, agree with that. I cannot look past that. And, and I I, agree. it's Wait, like, like, yeah, they're good. They're so good. The players right. are I, so good. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard to, to, uh, I'm on board. 
they're the second best team. They are exactly the second best team. Right. Uh, and, and they've been consistent, right. They haven't lost a game in weeks, they, you know, two mm-hmm. for two for two um, because they, they, they don't give up advantages anymore and, and they're better than most teams and they haven't played C9 again until week seven. So that's why the win streak has grown so much. They haven't had to play cloud nine yet. Yes. I think we all agree. C9 is a better team. I think we all agree. C9 is probably four to one favored when they fight each other. That's, you know, probably the odds I'd give. Um, but you know, that one can happen and, and, you know, TL look like a team that can make it to worlds and, you know, see how it goes. Right. But I, I agree. Like the, the whole point about like, if there was something missing that lines up really well. I agree with that. I mean, the, the 100 Thieves game, I think, today was a pretty good example of that, where they, you know, they gave up the Rift Heralds, they gave up two Dragons, they're down 2,000 gold, and then they did win this this one fight uh, at that third Dragon, which then the game went great for them after that, you know, and they, they you know, were pretty much in control from, from there to the end of the game. Um, but, you know, the to kind of, like, sum it up, my issue with when you play the sit back and outscale and wait is... Oftentimes, you know, you are, are more depending on your opponents not being able to push the pace of the game than you are on, on on your own thing, right? It's like even in that game where it did work out of that third dragon, I felt like there was opportunities where Hundred Thieves could have clearly played it better um, around that dragon. You know, where they have a, a five a five man squad who's sitting in the river like this. Jensen is up over the wall by the blue buff, like by, towards the mid lane turret. He's split completely from the team. The other four from TL are here, and Hundred Thieves are kind of half uh, going near Jensen and like poking at him a little bit and all just getting hit by paddle stars constantly and half walking forward instead of just five men committing to attack the four or peeling off and attacking, you know, attacking Jensen. Also, meanwhile, they're hitting the dragon. It, it was like very uncoordinated. And that felt like if, if you're in that situation and, and you actually win that fight and you continue to push forward, um, then the game can look so differently. So that's kind of my concern, but I will say core JJ, especially I think was, was a monster. His bard has looked so good. Um, I also really appreciate the fact that like he's able to constantly play make and, and feel like he is getting as much out of his bard as other players while doing a much less defensive build. Cause like I've played a lot of bard and like the, the bard ults, like they look really cool. It's actually not that hard to get, to get picks and to get engages with the bard ult. But what I will say is in a five V five to constantly get bindings and to have a lot of effectiveness when you are not going like the dead man's tanky build is actually really hard because he doesn't do that. He like always is going either, you know, a speed up item or like a redemption or, you know, like he's going, he's going more utility based items, which makes you super squishy. So the fact that he's actually able to like get in these fights and still have a lot of effectiveness while having a much higher risk build, I think is hard. Uh, because if you misposition at all, like you're not a tank, you're you're an enchanter running up to to like auto someone, and you can instantly die. Yeah, he had like the phase rush build too instead of a guardian. I think. Uh, yeah, he did I phase mean, just, rush one game. Just like a bulk him almost more defensive though, because it means Q auto literally lets him just like get the heck out instantly. So like that takes a quarter second, and then you're like, I got peace. Unless there's CC, um, right? Where well, sure, yeah. Up. If you get literally stunned, you're dead. If you're guardian or not at that <laughs> point, probably. But 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 yeah, I mean, valid point. Like yes, Bard is a hard to play champion. The people who are good at Bard make it look really good. And that's awesome. Vulcan didn't. Vulcan <laughs> sure. is prime support for first pro all team. That was a yep. oops, not a good look to go uh, convince people Vulcan over Core JJ. Sure. All right. Well, uh, TL obviously doing still really well. Uh, another team that had been been kind of up at the top, you know, for conversations for a while. I mean, uh, I even referenced the the Zven interview after Cloud Nine played against TSM, where they're like clearly TSM is the second best team. Uh, TSM has fallen a, a little bit behind in the standings since then. You know, not massively so, but they are still having 
you know, some of these, these clunker games and they're only like one game ahead of this big grouping of teams, right? They're sitting seven and five TL and cloud and I are both 10 and two and then golden guardians, FlyQuest, and EG are right on their heels. So, uh, you know, how are you guys feeling about TSM? E. Ooh. Ah, you know, yep. like uh, hit and miss. That's I'm, I'm mostly on the misses. Like even the game that they won versus hundred thieves. Mm-hmm was just kind of like i don't know how to put it It just it wasn't super impressive to me Mm -hmm. uh and then obviously the the game versus versus uh i feel similar about the FlyQuest game where like speaker just kind of ran it down uh early on and made a bunch of mistakes Uh, i agree with you azale that double lift actually played his best probably his best center game that he's played um but it was also still a loss and so he has the curse still (laughs) following him yeah um they're definitely one of the teams where we're talking about playstyles with C9. Like, I would love if TSM just picked one already. Like, you want Fiddle mid beer, great. You want, you know, LeBlanc beer, great. But like, just gotta figure out what what you're trying to do. Are you are you double lift Callista popping off early games? Are you Senna? Like, what are what is your game plan? Yeah, it feels like they're using summer. I mean, this happens to TSM every time. And I don't know if we're giving them benefit of the doubt too often or if they really just don't know what they're doing. It can be either. And I don't, I'm not trying to buy it either way because I just don't know. It's like, well, okay, it's summer and eight teams make playoffs and there's no championship points this year. So it's just summer split playoffs that matter. And as long as you get third in playoffs, you did it. And it's double Elam. So as long as you're not like starting from seventh or eighth, you've got, you know, a fair shake at it. And okay, there's a lot of ways to think that you can really wait. And hey, they're currently in third. So really it's going fine can they reach second maybe not but who cares they're not going to get picked first round and you know you can kind of like build a narrative for like oh it's fine you can just like do whatever for a while and then they're going to find their play style and then they're going to win at the end of the split and it's like well that's not what happened in spring uh and it's not really happening in summer either i'm more leaning towards the camp of i don't know if tsm really just have a direction i don't think it's as much they're trying to figure it out as they really don't know what they're trying to do right um individually uh, some of this is okay. Yes, he's playing lane fiddle. Um, his landing stats are worse than spring split, um, pretty substantially so. He's like plus 100 XP and gold in spring, and like averages negative across those stats in in summer. Um, so you know it is it is weaker overall. Um, as him, Devil's in obviously Devilift is playing better than um, Kabe was. Uh, like I think that's actually a pretty solid bot lane. I like treats being in there as well. Like this can be really nice. I would honestly like to see TSM just play bot lane. It's like, look, yes, technically you went one and one on Fiddlesticks and you lost Brazilian game. So support Bjergsen is not really ideal. I like this guy in LeBlanc and Cinder, even though we did lose on Cinder this, this, this split. Like, yeah, go give Bjergsen lane dominance. He's still a top two mid in the league. Top three, maybe if you like, okay, yeah, it's probably Jensen Niski, but I think he's maybe number three then. Um, but if you're going to go for winning lane, he's top two. He's behind Jensen. Um, great. It's, it's Bjergsen, let him do this thing, you know, let him do that. And then doubles and treats or doubles and bio if bio catches back up. Like, that's really dominant. I know BB wants to be aggressive, but like, there's too much there to not work with that. Um, like, like have BB get a new play style going, you know, corral speak it a bit, he can get there. And it's like, just just win through Bjergsen and double lift. Yeah, it feels like that's the story with, with every double lift team after a while where, you know, they're doing, they're doing all this experimenting and trying other things. And then it's like, well, this doesn't work. What can we do? I guess we yeah. can give all the farm to double lift and hope we win the game, right? And, yeah. And they they've won a a lot a lot a lot of championships doing that, like on on you know multiple squads on TL and on TSM and even with CLG. Um, double lift has always been such a good win condition for the team. Um, I am very much in the camp of it's not experimenting and who cares because we're gonna make playoffs anyway. It's 
you don't know what's going to work or not, right? Um, the Senate game didn't bother me at all. I actually think that was a complete throwaway game. They failed their invade and then died at the blue buff and the game is like essentially over, right? Like yeah. you've lost all control on an early game jungler. You're Olaf that probably for sure wanted to go warrior black cleaver based on the damage profile of your composition is now building a late cinder hulk and it's just worthless like that was a throwaway game that was actually an ff you know at five in scrims game and remake um yep happens bg go next right yep. uh so that one didn't bother me but uh, you know getting first and second matters a lot so I don't buy that TSM is just like, who cares? Like, not only do you start an upper bracket, you skip the first round and pick your opponent from, from like, you know, if, if you're first place, you pick your opponent in the next round, right? You know, so there's, there's significant advantages to getting first and second. It's actually really important. You know, you're, you're starting so much further along in the bracket that you get to a point where it's like, you just need to win a couple games then and, and you're, and you're you know, in worlds, you're, you're in worlds, right? So yep. uh, that matters a lot. I, I do think that TSM has potential. I do think that sometimes like people are, are quick to, to kind of like jump on the memes and stuff with like the double of Senna and whatever. Right. Um, but I think fine. that like we should, you know, it's fine. Uh, as, as long as, as people are, are realizing like where, where things are really going wrong, like that game, they were actually doing well bot lane with like, if I recall against, mm -hmm. against the lane, that was pretty hard. Um, I can't remember hey. exactly what they played against, but like, yeah. I was thinking that they were doing well. And I think treats has actually been solid. Yeah, even like the, they were they fell behind really hard, but then it was actually a, Ash Pantheon. Okay. The, and, and they started with kills because of the invade. Yeah. Yeah. But then even like oh, team yeah, fights blood. after far behind, Double have played the team fights well and was landing yep. big Zen ults and stuff like this. He actually looked really good on it. And it was like, mm -hmm. well, if you weren't 5K down fighting this Drake fight, you probably just hard smash it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Broken Blade got counterpicked, right? So we had completely no pressure against Solo. Like every single lane was losing. Yeah, Syndra exactly. beats Oriana, bot lane had first blood in it, and top lane is counterpicked. Like that game is just boom. Yeah. They were, they were exactly. pretty resilient from a deficit, which was, yep. I think, fairly impressive. And they actually were really good at kiting in fights. They obviously were so far behind, so they couldn't really just like hard engage into um, mm -hmm. FlyQuest, which I think was kind of the problem. Uh, but I agree. I think largely, you know, TSM needs needs to kind of find, um, you know, uh, what their, their game plan is, what their style is. You know, Broken Blade feels like. Uh, he wants to be that carry style, that dominant style, uh, but he isn't performing on the level that it justifies those picks. And I think that's kind of like the harsh reality of it right now. You know, he wants to be someday, but you know, you're playing like Viper and it's, it's not, it's, it's not working. Right. Like Ooh, it's, rip. it's one of is those that, situations. Is that the worst insult you could throw? <laughs> no, you're playing it's, like it's not, it's not even trying to like hard roast him. It's just more like if you're not going to slam the lane, the pick yep. isn't worth it. Just yeah. blind pick Orn and stuff like every other person, right? right? So, like, so here, here's Broken Blade Spring. Okay, I'm just, I'm gonna list the stats. You tell me if it's spring versus summer, okay? So in one of the splits, uh, he is, let's see, negative uh, 2.7 CSD at 15, plus 161 gold difference at 15, minus four XP at 15. In a different split, minus 5.8 CS at 15, minus 64 gold at 15, minus 350 XP at 15. Uh, like across the board, one split's way worse than the other. Yeah, I mean, I assume he's doing worse in summer. Yeah, he is, and yeah. and, and by by substantial margins, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like, well, yeah, sorry, broken blade. You, like, right, this guy was fourteen and fourteen in spring, seven and five in summer, and his early game is just down across the board. And some of that's like, well, he's probably getting counterpick a bit less. Like, he's probably getting pushed. Yeah, I was say, but but he is objectively losing early game. Again, drafts can be a reason for that, but he's objectively losing early game on a winning team. Yeah, I was gonna say also play style can change. Like, yep. if not saying I know exactly what their inner workings are, but if Kabe is supposed to be your weak side bot carry and mm -hmm. Dardox is supposed to be your snowball jungler on the top side, 
now with Spica and double lift, I think the play style changes enough. But to your point, it's not like he's dumpstering kids on his own, and it's like, hey, can I please get some help? Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff he's, in play. I mean, he's he's ninth in the league at you know CSD at 15, for example, right? So like the only people that are really below him are are some of the people that have like subbed in and stuff like that or been subbed out already. Um, you know, so so like he he is performing near the near the bottom of the league as far as that goes. Uh, you know, th- and this isn't even like to roast him. I just think that like even with the eye test, like I seem to remember you know a, a number of of like misplays and significant you know issues with him throughout the split. I, I just don't think he's playing up to the level that he has in the past. And I think that so many top laners are showing us that you can you can just play Orn and you can play the tanks. Um, Malphite has been very effective for for players too. I think that you can play that sort of style. You can even add set in there and some of these like bruisers that I think he, he can have some more agency on and have some more playmaking on, which I think he does enjoy. Uh, but, you know, it's it's always kind of like that discussion that people have, especially when it was like the double of Bjergsen uh, style teams of like, are there enough resources to go around kind of thing, right? And and especially with jungle time, there often isn't to play to all three lanes. You have to pick and choose. It doesn't have to be the same lanes that you play to in every single game, but um, Bjergsen and, and Doublelift, I think, are both performing better than Broken Blade, and I think that it, it makes more sense uh, to yep. play more towards them, even more so with this meta, which feels yes. like Dragon Soul is the game. So, you know, why are you playing topside? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would just like to see them, you know, try to try to play a little bit more around that for sure play to your strengths i think is always a big thing like that that's like when you're a jungler you gank the strong lanes you don't try to you know resuscitate the ones who are losing mm-hmm. play to your strengths as a team same same deal like you know play around your weak conditions and try to shore up your weak points like you know sorry broken blade you're gonna be on orange duty lot the split that's okay man you're gonna you know you, you're gonna go to worlds if you can keep up right and like tsm are in third right now and that's with them not having a great identity solidified they are shooing for worlds that they can just figure out to play around Bjergsen and Double Lift. Yep. Uh, Turtle also hit 1,500 kills this weekend, so a huge, bah, 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 bah. huge, <laughs> <laughs> a huge benchmark for him. I, yeah. I want to say it was, what, third player to do it or something? Second. I think he's behind Second, it was just Double Lift him? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's yes. regular season specifically, so like there's a chance like Bjergsen has hit that faster okay. because of playoff games or something, but yeah, regular season, second player to do it. It's pretty impressive, and and I do think that overall he he looked pretty good. Um, you know, at least in their win, I think he looked very good in the Ash game. You know, he's playing playing pretty aggressively. Uh, did kind of work well. You know, with Ignar and that Pantheon, they kind of used the CC there to 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 make a lot of plays and even to punish um, Speak at times. You know, around mid lane, getting the kill there. They had a nice play where they you know got multiple kills out of out of a fairly difficult situation. So, uh, pretty pretty pleased to see him back. I I tend to feel like he was better than Mash and. Now, this is something that you know you guys were talking about, uh, even on the analyst desk. I think a little bit the 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 fact that FlyQuest seems to struggle to come to the conclusion that it feels like everyone else has already made. Yeah, I think it was what five five weeks, ten games of Mash before they went back to Turtle. And Turtle did an interview and kind of mentioned, I think it was after the win, that like yeah, it was partially like a motivational benching or like you know you're slumping a little bit, and he had to get out of his slump. And I can I can totally see that for a little bit, but when you've given more than half your four games, weeks. yeah, four weeks. Eight okay, games. when you, when you've given half the games to the other person, it's like is that still a slumping thing, or is there more going on behind the scenes? They're not the most transparent organization uh, with their decision making, but still, yeah. like going back to the solo Viper one, like everyone watched one weekend of solo and we're like, oh my god, this is so much better! I can't wait to see more solo. And then, like they continued using both into the playoffs where they lost their first round before they finally were like we should just start solo. And then they clapped the hell out of, I think it was golden guardians. And then like, you know, made it all the way to the finals this time again, 
okay, Turtle goes one and one his first week, at least for you know publicly available knowledge. Maybe that he was something in scrims. One of the games was against C9 that they lost against. It's like, whatever. And then he's benched already. And then they go, you know, the whole four more weeks before you see him again in week six. And it's... Yeah. And Mash had the worst laning stats in the league. He was making mistakes that literally cost the team the game in mid to late yeah. game. The Ezreal His, Baron one. Yeah, the yeah, Senna yeah, yeah. pick was terrible. Like, all these... He's, he's not playing well. And you, you run that for four weeks. It just felt like, how can you not... Like, what is so bad with Turtle behind the scenes, I guess, is what it makes me ask. Sure. Yeah. I will and, say like the first week or two of MASH, it, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to like hyper-focus on seeing MASH again. Cause like, it's been a long time since we saw him. He was like mediocre when he played last time years ago in the LCS. And I was like, okay, the initial lading was fine. And then he was like an aggressive player in like mid to late game team fights, but the aggression always paid off. Like there was one against, I think it was EG where like he mm-hmm. dove in and finished killing bang or maybe it was golden garden, something like that. But like he helped dive in and kill an Aphelios, which is like really, really crucial. I was like, okay, that was, a really aggressive move, but it needed to be made so you could win the team fight. Like, I dig that. And, like, there were a couple more moments where he'd, like, Archangel Ford and Ezreal, and it would work. I'm like, okay, I see it. Okay, good job. But but then, yeah, you start picking up the stinkers where I think it was, like, against Dig, where he, like, just hard throws a Baron by inting into the opposing mid laner. It's like, okay, that's the other side of the coin. And then, you know, the very next week was when Turtle came in, right? So it's like, okay. Like, he started kind of downhill uh, after the first couple weeks. So the first few games, that was okay. And, and then it got bad. Yeah, it was for me. It was a, it was a, a fast turnaround. As soon as that Senate game happened, I was like, I was not already super convinced because sure. this is partially my biases in, as not well. Not a Senate like, enthusiast. No, not Senate. I'm saying Mash. I'm like, just he's, kidding. He, I'm just he's kidding. never been a great player. Turtle has yeah. had higher highs, even if he's slumping. It's like this feels like a short term fix. You know, like I, there's there's I I would have a hard time. Like I would bet my life savings that from career trajectory wise, you know, like what's going to happen from here for both these players, you know, like I bet turtle's going to get you more wins and have a higher win rate over the, over the course, even from here on out of their careers, you know, like I could, Mm. that's why it's for me. It's like, how long do we need to let this, you got to get in form and slumping and and stuff go before it's like, everyone knows, you know, in the back of your mind, turtles, the better player, put them in, Mm -hmm. get those games in (laughs) another team that has, has, Made some, I don't know, surprising changes, I guess we'll say, is EG. Um, you know, swapping out Jazuke, I was very surprised about, to be honest. Um, I think that, you know, Jazuke has kind of been the franchise player for, for a while for them. I think that, you know, he's responsible for a lot of their wins. I do think that he has a bad performances in their losses, definitely. Uh, Kumo also felt like he had been making, you know, really big strides in improvement from spring to now. You know, he has become a pretty solid laner. He was really bad in in yeah. spring by comparison so uh you know seeing some of the steps forward there it felt like hey okay are, are the issues these players or are the issues cohesion or are you just trying to mix things up what's happening you know they swap in huni and, and golden glue and they play against tl and that draft was just horrible it was Oof. like you, you drafted top lane karma without a carry with 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 a senna as as your adc and an ori it just, yeah it just made absolutely no sense if it was like Karma Olaf, okay, I'll give it to you. If it's Karma plus a hyper carry, okay, I'll give it to you. But this this draft was just abysmal. Um, and as a result, like I don't know if it's like the players calling for these picks or what. We have no insight into that. So I, I kind of found it hard to really draw any conclusions from that because that was just so terrible. Uh, but then they, they come off that game and they beat Cloud Nine. And it's like, what am I what are the conclusions I'm meant to draw from this? Right? <laughs> Same you know? team as before, just without Jazuke. <laughs> Coin flipping it. Yeah, uh, it's you know, and and even within that game, Huni Huni, you know, I overchased and essentially put himself, you know, in the situation where he died when he didn't have to, and put himself in an enormous deficit in the top lane one v one. Right? 
He then made it back up because Cloud9 forced this fight where he had TP and he came in, he happened to pick up two kills and he went off and he like he was incredible for the rest of the game. That was fantastic. But it was like we saw the duality of Huni within the same game. You know, it was it was like you overchased, you're way too greedy. You as a result lost all the farm at your turret, then got frozen on, got down 30 or 40 CS. It was terrible, looked like the game's over. You find a way back in and you carry, right? He pops off. Golden Glue was also great in that Zoe game. Um, really was hitting so much poke. I felt like he was winning a lot of those fights for them, you know, before they were even started just by, you know, pushing Cloud9 members out. Um, but, it, but it does feel so hard to evaluate, right? And I know Huni is not doing that well in Academy. Um, that's one of the other things that, that kind of yeah. is, is making it a little bit more, like, surprising. You know, it doesn't feel like he's having a someday-esque uh, performance in Academy where he's just absolutely trashing every single player you know and and then you're like okay well i'm i'm sorry like lebron you shouldn't be playing with the preschoolers like come back come come back to the main league this is our mistake. leave me down here this is fun <laughs> you know he's just dunking on three-year-olds and stuff um you know so, so very clearly it's not that uh but i i don't know i don't i don't really know what to think i i definitely uh i'm with you like I'm someone who generally does not like the whole like seven man roster idea. I feel like it's usually a patchwork for yeah. problems with what should be a five man roster. Um, yeah. I think, or yeah. maybe six, but you can't, because guess what? You know, you can't just sub in and out Jazuke. Cause if you're right, player, exactly. You can't sell one and out Huni for the same reason. And, yeah. and like those, those teams can work, you know, golden glue coming in for, for Jensen or whatever. And like, Oh, here comes easy Huni for Faker. Like there's, there's, moments where they have worked in history but there's way more times that those teams sucked um so it's just like a sample size thing and so like for me yeah this is a huge change in jizuke being the franchise face of your team both in game and out a little bit um and so i totally get that is it a better thing i i can't tell i think if you're trying to play more standard this is a more standard team and if you sure. think bang is a top 380 carry which he seems like he can be yeah. then maybe this is a more consistent way to be good than the Jizuke led roster. Yeah. To me, the, my angle of it is right. EG signed and like EG signed a new mid laner so that they could bench Kumo because I think their, their academy mid laner is also an import, right? So it's like, they literally have to sign a new player if they, because they're not benching bang, right? This team absolutely relies on bang. He, he like carries all their damage metrics. Like, yes, bang is never leaving this lineup and rightly so the man is phenomenal. It's like, well, you must sign a free agent or, or buy someone's academy player, uh, you know, native mid laner, or you, you can't, you know, get Kumo out of your lineup. Um, and, you know, replacing Kumo with, like, the next guy down in Academy is not going to help you either, right? Like, they really need something to happen in top lane. And so, like, well, okay, thankfully we have Huni. So, yeah, we, we need Golden Blue here. What's nice is if they can ride, if they can ride out this split, Huni becomes a resident. Jizuke can come back in 2021. Wow, this team is really scary with Bang, Jizuke, and Huni in the lineup. That sounds great. And Sven's scary. Like, great. You just have Zazel, the lone American. Like, let's go. We got imports. <laughs> um, but, like, that actually looks like a pretty good team. Um, and they were pretty good last split. Um, ultimately... My, my read is like they they tried kumo for as long as they could and said it's not working i i agree his laning's been looking better then they had the riven game where they camp for him and he craps on an academy top laner in deus who comes in only because clg like wants to help ruin with burnout they camp for him against gangplank they get him two kills in the first eight minutes and then he does approximately nothing the entire game by comparison viper went equal and actually helped carry in his win right like just the next week on the exact same yeah. champion it's like ah it got that's buffed. why you signed golden sure yes the <laughs> passive does five percent more damage and so your champ wasn't invisible 
like like it felt more than yeah, like freak. Look, i thought you did a patch note show yeah oh my god but like man like like i mean that just shows me like they just do not want to play with kumo anymore like we're, we're done we can't play Raju at all anymore we literally can only play around bang now and hope Tezuka could do his stuff like this is not working we need more texture we need who need to come in we're gonna sign golden glue they should extend the contract they get this guy in there play out the split with this lineup and and yeah like they need more oomph in the late game because they only have like bang is going to be a passive i will deal damage when it comes to me and Tezuka's the only playmaker um yeah. zazel got alistair which is great but he's not gonna get alistair very much anymore and and then they're out of they're out of engage options so it's so yeah i think they need Huni. It's kind of interesting, though, because it's like, you know, if you talk about wanting to play towards bot lane and playing a more standard style, and we're, we're you guys are advocating for Hooney for that, right? It's like you're advocating for the man who's I mean, going to fight top lane team. no matter what. Right? Like, if this team was happy being six and six, they could keep the old lineup, and it's fine. They'll, like, win enough team fights through bang, and Juzuka's going to win enough team fights through split pushing, and they have a hole in top lane, but who cares? Like, that team can make playoffs in, but was in the it LCS. Really, is it really just, like, Kumo's fault? Like, I, I guess I don't buy that. Like, I, I feel like when I looked at a lot of their games, this was like, where is your coordination? Where is your communication? Like, a lot of their losses sure. are, like, you know, one whether sometimes it's Shizuke, sometimes it's Kumo, sometimes it's, you know, no matter what, there's these situations where mm-hmm. one person is clearly doing one thing and, and has in mind that their team is going to, you know, like, push on the other side or clear vision or doing whatever. And it's right. always separate objectives. Like it's never, it feels like it's, it's rarely coordinated together. So, so that's true. And, and part of what uh, Artemis said in his interview uh, when asked about, hey, you know, with all this lineup, why not? He's like, hey, um, we want Huni in for late game shot calling. Like, like mm-hmm. they want him to be a voice in the team because you're right. Like the other half of it is absolutely coordination. I completely agree with you, Azale. And it's, it's yeah, they want Huni to be the guy who's like, we're grouping and going here. And like he will lead in on gangplank and like throw down a barrel on his ult. And it's like, we're going and they will follow him up. What was great is like, that's what worked in, in end of spring split EG was it felt like Jazuka and Svenska and we're like, we're going, let's do this. And that was wonderful for whatever reason that stopped happening. Right. Because you're right. Like it was working, right. They went like 10 and one to end the spring split. They were the only other team taking game off cloud nine. They narrowly lost to FlyQuest, I think, right. At the end of playoffs, like we are ready to go and say, okay, EG go rekindle number two, you know, keep getting there. For whatever reason, that fell off, and and coordination again is the culprit. And so it's like, okay, let's add a new voice. Let's go. Yeah, and who I needs think, that voice? I think also it's not like for me, it's not like these teams are is like they're a tenth place team trying to make these changes. I think they're a fifth, fourth, you know, fourth through sixth Fourth-ish, place yeah. team. Yeah, trying to punch into the top three to guarantee their spot, and they think they might have a better option. I don't think Kumo is a total like, you know, black hole in the top lane. I agree. Uh, like he might have been in spring. I do think he's been better, but he's not so much better i think that you can't look for other options i think jizuke is very coin flippy it can be scary to want to bet your season on that um and so while putting in huni does make your play style play around top i still think you're a more standard team even if you are a top focus team at the very least your mid laner can is playing more control mages i mean like yeah jizuke was playing quirky which is fine but I still wouldn't really consider like, oh, I want him on Ori or these like front to back team fighting comps around Bang. Even if you are, it's a GP up there or it's like another carry uh, Camille or something, you can still make your four man core stronger. Whereas I felt like Jazuke needed to be his own man uh, when he was getting his pick. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where the experiment goes for, for mm-hmm. EG. All right. Well, how about CLG then? Because uh, CLG, you know, you, you sounded a little bit less convinced on Mark. How you feeling about them? Oh boy, I have some thoughts, man. That, that both their games this weekend were just so, so. Uh, uh, 
I mean, I guess which one should I start with? EG, hmm. it happened first. All right, so there's the Riven game, which people have memed enough about, I think. Unless someone wants a, a shot at the the leaving Riven up versus Viper, I know you, I was found <laughs> guilty, even though my I put my best defense for for that. Yeah, Crumbs was hard trolling, but like you had a case where you're defending a man who's like I murdered them, and you're like not guilty. <laughs> That's not on record. <laughs> you're like, no, actually, it is. We're in the courtroom right now. That was coerced. Let me tell you what really. <laughs> He's happened. holding the gun. You can see it. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, what else is this week we're digging immortals. Crumbs yeah, yes, was like, I'm pleading guilty for the other person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the dig one was bad. So then the, the one today actually tilted the hell out of me because it is like so fundamentally what sucks about this team. Um, I actually thought Immortals screwed their draft up so hard. You have three losing lanes with like no proactivity. The Kogma is supposed to scale, but you pick a weak bot side and then a tank top who got counterpicked because you, in your first phase, picked all three lanes. And then your your jungler is, uh, you know just graves but without anything to help him get through the early game or try and influence the early game i thought that they were going to get crushed but then they don't control any drakes and they way over prioritize getting the camille ahead where they're like dropping rift herald top to push while the other team's getting their second drake and then they're bringing their their four man or their five man down to contest the drake when you picked a 4-1 split push comp where the camille's supposed to go and you know threaten to take things because you're trying to get her ahead and like their objective control is terrible. They they're like in in the early game where they had the advantages. They mess up their dive top. They mess up their gank mid to hand all these kills back to immortals who really shouldn't have had any chance there. I like and then even at the end, Rune is like this hyper fed guy. If you watch the last like I think it's the Elder Drake where Pope Elter shuffles in and they manage to kill Insanity, but he dies for it. Mm-hmm. Rune is farming the wave mid. As Pobelter is like getting ready to end the game, they're like the most miscoordinated team ever. And then he shows up late to the fight. And this is like, this is the guy who you put all your resources in. Yeah. It's like, I'm really cold on Ruin. I'm yeah, really, really, really I, cold I, on Ruin. I hate Wiggly's early and mid game decisions on when yes. he splits map and what he's trying to do. Why you split map when you have three winning lanes and allowing them to, their, their Ezreal Braum to have any sort of pressure against your, your Felios Thresh lane? Like, I don't know ever, I don't understand any of their early game plans. Like, and they go into all these horrible split maps. They did it last week where they, they let Deus just get crapped on for no reason when you don't, like, you can try and yeah. fight back against these decisions. Yeah, they camp Deus, and, and Wiggly is like, I took his Gromp, guys. Yeah, you can't dive that, that bot lane from the previous game. Go defend your GP. And, like, they, they don't, I don't know. Their, their early games are always terrible for me. And then their mid to late game coordination is bad as well. Like I'm so cold yeah. in this team. I was cold in this team all split long. And then CLG was complaining that we weren't hotter on them, despite having some of the worst goal differences at 15 when they were like four and two, because all of us have eyes and we're watching the games and realize they're not <laughs> strong, despite what yeah. their record says. And then they like, they're complaining that we're not saying they're better than they are. It's like, no, we're analysts. Our job is to evaluate the strength of your team. And we're not convinced. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, that was my stored up yeah. CLG rant for a, a split. I mean, I think I think it's fair, right? I, I think mm-hmm. that you know, if, if a team is getting some some weak wins or wins only against the bottom opponents, and you know, and it, you're not even convinced by those, then you can't expect them to start picking up losses later. Um, and I mean, I think to a lesser They're degree, it was the same. It was the same yeah, reason the two start, that yeah. that we were. Uh, being somewhat negative on on TL, despite the fact that they, when they were six and two, most people were still negative on TL because the games didn't look good, and a lot of the games were dependent upon throws from their opponents. You still got the win. Nexus still blew up. That's still good, but it's not going to make me think you're you're as good as that record is showing, right? And I think that's that's true with CLG. Um, I would agree. I would, I was really disappointed with with Ruin today. Ruin has had some of those good pop off games on, on Camille in the past, but like. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard to get more help than he got. And it's hard <laughs> for Alorum to get less help than he got. And when I checked in on the game and it was like, you're up five CS and this man has been tower dove like three or four times and like zoned off the turret for multiple waves. And you're up five or six CS at like, and it was like 124 to 118 or something like that. Like, you know, this is a while into the game. I'm like, how has no advantage been established? And, you know, I kind of got the idea of the Camille of like, okay, well, Kog'Maw is still low mobility, so maybe you're going to like come in and, and watch out the Kog'Maw at the fight. But then in this like penultimate fight where you've put all your resources in your top laner, you got him a super fast Triforce and all this stuff, and that's great. Yep. He, he hook shots onto the Orn and like just loses the 1v1 against the Orn and then has to run. And I'm like, this is the, literally the person that got every resource against the person who got nothing. Yeah. And he's no. doing more. So, so yeah. Looking at looking at oh. Ruin this split, like this this man, this man needs to be on perennial or in duty. So, so looking at his champion pool, he is zero three on Jace, and he is zero one on Gangplank. All of his wins are like Fola Bear, Aatrox, Orn, Malphite. Like, give the man a meatball, let him press R and walk at the enemy team. Like, that's where all of his wins are. He's undefeated on Fola Bear and Aatrox, which like, hey, they can even be lane dominant, right? They can actually scrap. That's fine. His laning's actually solid. He's a good mm -hmm. laner. I think his team fighting on non-tanks is atrocious. And honestly, like, CNN have Pobelter, who loves playing Azir, and Stixay, his laning's bad, but his team fighting is fine. Like, this is another team where it's like, look, just give him the TSM playbook. Just, like, yeah. get a meatball up there, and five on five, and you'll go above 50-50. Like, just, just take that play style. It's, like, the most standard league legend you could possibly play, but that's what they're going to be best at. I guess... You know, I was just gonna say, I, I feel like it's one of the situations though where it's like they want more than 50 50 because I agree that I can get the 50 50, but like, but they'd be above 50 50 if they stopped picking Jason Gangplank. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I hear you, I hear you okay, for okay, sure, okay, okay, okay. but it's but it's like we're saying, okay, Sticks, Sticks is actually a really bad laner. Well, okay, yeah. his stats, but their lane as a duo, it's not just on the marksman as every sure, marksman sure. player yeah. ever knows, it's, mm -hmm. it's you know, it's the support plus. The marksman that I, I and whether it's they have bad synergy or you know they one of them is bad or the other is bad or or they're both bad who cares their lane does poorly in two v two almost always um, they you know he he does have really high DPM or or at least quite high DPM uh, he's doing fine in team fighting that's great uh, but you know if we're saying what's like okay we're we're unhappy with lots of decisions that Wiggly is making Ruin's not playing well your bot lane always is losing lane like how far are you expecting that team to go then, right? You know, like not, we're not listing a lot of positives here. I mean, yeah, even it's like, like the 6A and Pope are pretty good at team fighting later, but you're expecting your jungler to lose, your bot lane to lose, your top lane to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, even even the rune point that I was, I was going to say, like his laning is okay, but he takes a lot of really risky fights and usually loses them. He has one solo kill this split and 18 iso deaths. And ganks <laughs> do count in as iso deaths. Yeah. But he's leading the league in ISO deaths, I'm pretty sure. He definitely is leading top laners. And it's like... And he got benched two games. Unless you're doing ISO per game. Yeah. If you no, that's, count, that's, 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 even, what, even that's what two atrocious. less games. Yeah. yeah. That's that's rough. Next is Impact with 13 ISO deaths, but he has five solo kills. Yeah. So including ganks, he's winning some of these 1v1 slaps to the end, you know, that, that top laners <laughs> sometimes get into. Rune yeah. loses all of those. Yeah. But by, by default, ISO deaths are almost always higher than solo kills just because of how the game works as jungles right. exist. So like every champion or almost every player will have the stat look bad, but it's it's worse. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just getting some context. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
Except for maybe bot laner. Sometimes that can be that can be a bit different, right? Yeah, like, then, then yeah, you have to get two v two kills and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because yeah. you're 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 rarely alone, or, or it's like a, a bot laner is sometimes just out in the side lane too much and dying, and then Isodes can be a problem. Um, but I agree, you know, they're they're not looking as good as their record suggests, and their record isn't looking that good, so <laughs> it's it's not voting voting that well for ZLG. Uh, mm-hmm. Dignitas had a great game, um, you know, with Viper's Riven. That like honestly, credit to him. You know, he is he is the best Riven in the league. He got the pick. Uh, the Kennen ban made no sense, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he played great. And he absolutely dumpstered him for for you know for that ban. So good on good on Viper. Uh, I will say though, I was just really surprised that he got put in in the first place. I think Lorlo has been better than Viper. Um, I th- I think that you know Viper can be solid, but uh, you know he, he I I think was getting outperformed by. By Lorlo straight up, and and their game today was just just horrible, really, really, really <laughs> terrible game. Um, Can you, you know, tell me how you really feel? That I feel like you're holding back a little bit. Like, yeah. sir. <laughs> the Wukong pick made like the Wukong for Wukong top. I don't remember the exact draft order, but I remember still thinking it was like flexible and stuff. It just didn't make any sense with the rest of their draft, right? They just like grab. This is one of those situations where you're just like, oh, Wukong's a pretty good champ. Guess we should pick it. And got a you full draft, poke comp. Yeah, you have like like Let's poke get... poke and peel back. You know, and protect get the, the engage, cog. squishy and, engage yeah. damage champ. And then you have then you have a dive champion with no one who could dive with him in a hard losing one v one where you don't have you jungle priority jungle without like, problems at all. What? What? You, like that's not Riven's fault. That's the coach's fault. That's the draft's fault. You yeah. put him. In it, one v one is Wukong against Kenan, <laughs> Trundle against Olaf, and Trundle's your like only hope as a dive buddy. Like he's not gonna do That's anything. It's a tank Trundle. He can't get back there. You have Cog Lulu. Like what? What was that? That was horrible. And they just give up literally everything. <laughs> they absolutely. They they literally lost. The only time they could test something was for Soul. And Hotzer wasn't even there, and they died. got shit on. They got dumpstered <laughs> for me. I love when his like gets riled up. I so know, fun. I love it. Hotzer wasn't even there. He was late to the fight, and they were already his team had already they won. They were down five K already. Yeah, yeah. you're down five K, and they lost four v five when Hotzer has a fucking cannon alt flank with the summoners <laughs> up. He didn't even need it. It's like <laughs> what you know, like what is happening here? Just what a trash game that was yeah i love how this was. like the dive is just evolving into each of us pick a topic and ramp by ourselves for five minutes i have my clg one <laughs> yeah i i agree i but hey dig went dig, digger what three and three with this lineup they they zero to the first week with it mm-hmm. um then they got the three win streak and then they lost uh the game today right so it's like okay uh like hundred thieves were like one and three brought of the new lineup and now they're like three and five with it Dig brings a new lineup to three and three with it. Uh, CLG with the new top winners, one and one. This is kind of the same record. EG's mm-hmm. one with this lineup is the same record. Like, there are a lot of teams like Rothlopping in, and it's like, are these much better? Are they not? I, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of this whole lineup like together, by the way, just like Phoenix in and Darnock in is like the new lineup to me, even with the Viper in and out. I agree. Go back to Lorlo. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to see him back in. This team looked pretty promising. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I mean, neither one is like really dominating lane ultimately, but. But I think he is the overall better player. And and this is another team where it's like, well, bot lane and Phoenix are well, I mean, honestly, like they have four good players. Yeah. Like, Phoenix is good. Like, okay, get him back off TF, but we're seeing Chain as zero bands and he's still solid. He was the one winning lane on Zoe, it felt like. Um, where like he at least pressured DeMonte, 
right? Like, Dematio was under turret and had to, like, E backwards and still get hit by paddle stars. So, like, they kind of had one at least equal lane in two inning lanes. Still didn't do anything. But, like, yeah, he's good even not on Nazir. Aphromu is still, to me, the number three support this split. Um, number four in some other people's minds, but, like, still quite good. Johnson's obviously quite solid. Um, was playing Ash before. It was cool. Um, which is saying something because she's made of ice. And overall, this is a solid team. Dardot can play the bot side. Lolo can be on farm duty on a tank and they need team fight. I definitely think they need to make sure that they still find good drafts. So I, I think like while they are way better than the initial, uh, I mean, uh, Dignitas lineup, I still think like, you know, you're saying Afro is one, is probably their best player of the split. He needs to be on something more proactive than a, than a Lulu. And I yep. think there is. Four thrashes, three bards, stick with it. Yeah, Thresh Bard, if you want to start picking up the Alistair, he's always had a good Alistair. There's there's, yeah. there's enough stuff in the meta. I think you can make it work for him. Dardock as well, another great player when he's in his element, which is pretty much an aggressive play style with a mid laner who's going to combo with him. I think Phoenix is pretty hit or miss, but at least like you can win some games on those hit games if your bot lane's also in the right position and Dardock's in the right position and your top laner is, he's going to get the Alorum treatment. You're, you're going to get your top lane targeted. Is on. You're going to be on an island, but that's your role. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that um, yeah, Af- Afro has been really good. I think their bot lane in, in general has been has been their shining light throughout throughout the split. You know, even even when they were zero and eight, I was like, hey, bot lane's pretty good though. Um, you know, the the Lulu game today, eh, I mean, it was like whatever, I guess. But like, e- even just the spell thieves didn't make any sense to me. Like, it, it was the slowest. Oh, uh, yeah, like it was the slowest uh, item transform for for side zone of the split by a lot. Um, you know, the average was something like 10 minutes or 1023 or something, I think it was. And he transformed to like 18, 19 minutes. You know, you, you have no vision, you have no, no priority. Um, and it's just one of those things that like, it just seemed weird to me um, because like, you know, he, this, this guy plays a, a ton of support and really the only time I find it good at all is in when you're playing against, against like melee champions who also can't all in. Cause that's pretty much the only time you can actually consistently have it proc and not get punished for it, right? Yeah. Like, you can't even play it against Thresh, because, like, you walk up to auto Thresh to proc it or whatever. They walk you up know, and flay you. He just flays yeah. you and you die. Uh, you can do it against, like, Braum and Tom Kench, and, like, that's, like, mostly it. It's just, Relic Shield is just too much better. It's too easy and consistent. Um, and, you know, and those style of supports are very susceptible all-in, so the extra health is often useful. So, uh, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but that was a, a very minor point. You know, overall, I think, I think Afro has been great, and I'd, I'd like to see him continue to get champions where he has the ability to be proactive yeah uh, last team i think we want to touch on here was immortals um i'm actually really pleased watching immortals for the most part i think alorum and insanity have been fun to watch uh yeah. i think insanity has you know had had some like key moments that if he did it differently they they would have won a lot they would have won more games right even even in the Carthus game um this last weekend there was this situation where it was like, I, I don't know, was that guy's in that game with you, Freak? Where it was by the Baron yeah. pit. Yeah, 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 and he should have killed, like, killed closer on the Baron. Yeah, you could you could have actually maybe got a Penta and Baron, you know, and he still played it well and got like a triple kill, and and overall he was great that game. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like, one, it was one of those things where I, I, I feel like you can fix uh, some of those late game situations just with experience, right? Where he got too hyped on the Azir game and he like shuffles in and, and throws the game where they should have had it locked up for sure on eg and then uh the oriana shockwave game i can't even remember i think that was against tl, TL. where if you just hit that they, they win the game like those are those are tiny things that can be fixed you know with with lack of nerves and, and maybe some more experience or whatever 
Um, I was a little bit sad that I felt like when I watched that Karthus play, I was like, ooh, maybe you were scared of throwing the game because of those previous ones. Um, but overall, I think he he has a good mindset. You know, I liked his interview, um, him talking about it. You know, he, d- he didn't seem to take himself too seriously. He was joking a lot about, like, you know, getting the best usage of the Cogwonk pass of any <laughs> player and stuff. And, like, you know, I, I, he, he is kind of bringing out this, this somewhat unique play style in that he is playing not what is just, like, Weird LCS stuff. meta. Yeah. He's playing solo queue meta, and there's a reason that these picks are solo queue meta. Karthus is super overpowered. Oh it's yeah, actually so broken. They yep. they tried they tried to put it in mid lane with these buffs, and it just ended up making it insane in mid lane and better in jungle than it was anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kogma AP Cog. If you watch a lot of the the pro LCS players playing solo queue, they're playing it all the time too. Like th- these are great picks that other people aren't picking up as much. Um, and he clearly has you know very high levels of mastery on them. He's been great on the control mages. So I've been enjoying his play. And and Alorum, they're not playing to him, but like he feels like one of those solid journeyman style top laners where he's he's willing to play the various tanks and, and kind of withstand pressure and and team fights pretty well. And that's kind of mostly what you want. Yeah, I, I have pretty like quick thought on, on Insanity just because I put him sixth on the tier list. I think a lot of people were surprised by that. A lot of that has to do with the fact that like mid laners are getting subbed out. Like there's, I think like been f- 13 mids or something. Uh, something like split. that. It's a yeah, lot. so it's like, okay, everyone who's been subbed out basically has to be under this person. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as well right. as like limited sample size of like, all right, how good's Phoenix? Well, we've seen him like three games and it's been really hit or miss. So that's hard to say. The people who was closer with was like DeMonte. I know he was, he was memeing me on Twitter a little bit because of that. Um, and I think it's just, when I watch Insanity, I'm not blown away by his laning. I actually don't think he's a great laner. Um, and we're talking about these late game mistakes. I think it's very easy for people to be like, so why would you put him that high? And I think he actually plays a lot of situations super well. And they're just not like, eye-catching solo kill moments like uh, Bjergsen and Jensen have, but he's not making big mistakes in the early game, which costs us in the game. He actually almost never dies in a dumb way. I can't mm-hmm. even like think of, other than maybe the CLG game, which just happened, um, on COG dying a little bit too yeah. much. But before that game, I, I really don't, I can't remember him making big, dumb mistakes that killed his team in the early game, whereas plenty of the other mid laners in the league have had these like, oops, I threw the game moments in the in pre-15 and i think that's something where consistency especially in the mid lane is something i value very highly and he he's good like if you put him on a team i think that had primary win conditions somewhere because right now i think that's the biggest problem with immortals is like they don't have a star yeah. player anywhere like he would be a it's good Smithy, mid- but he's not really the takeover the game on graves kind of player. Yeah. Like, he had good graves games but it's not that's not him apollo gets good damage but he's not quite that player either exactly like there's a lot of good players on immortals uh but i don't think they have like the this is the guy to play with is the force multiplier guy more yeah exactly and, and the so forces like, are not that strong like if i put you know on on golden guardians even for insanity like that was one of the thought experiments i did like would that potentially be a better team and i'm like i'm actually not sure because who fbi slams lane closes a really good jungler uh even in academy insanity played a lot of like galio and globals and like ways like supportive mids in previous splits as well during his time on tl academy and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so like if i look at some of that stuff i'm like maybe he could be and it's just like immortals is a in a a weird spot with some of their players. So yeah, I just want to throw my little two cents even in with on. that. They, they've been really close against a lot of top teams. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I do think that it's like what you're describing is exactly what you want from people who are playing this style of champion. When you're playing Karthus and Kogma and you know, these, these types of champs, you have to withstand and farm well and scale up and not die a lot. And he's doing that. 
Yeah, right now, of course, uh, they are a game outside of playoffs. They are one game behind 100 Thieves, two games behind CLG, three behind like four through six with, you know, Golden Guardians and co. But they're 2-1 in the second round, Robin. They actually, they, they beat CLG and TSM in the second round. They were 1-8 and eight in the first round. So, oofs, they got to make up from <laughs> that deficit. But but a 2-1 and one start means, okay, if they're about that good, if they're a 66% win rate team against TSM and CLG, that yeah, that's a pretty good playoff barometer. Like, those are absolutely playoff teams. You keep that going and you beat teams like Golden Guardians and FlyQuest and EG and those other sort of middle-ish teams. Okay, you're in. You're going to make a run. You might win the first round as well because you just face TSM again. You just do the same thing over again. Like, okay, if that's your level, if you can retain that level, you're in there, right? This is actually a solid team that we're really excited about. But the problem is with six games to play, they're starting in the lower bracket without picking up like plus three right? Like they've got to get to 50-50 from three and nine, which is probably not possible for them. But I mean, we'll see. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now on to the Honda MVP discussion. Thank you, Honda, for supporting us as always. Uh, We are going to take a little bit of a different twist on it this time. Uh, We are going to talk about you know, generally speaking, the, the MVP voting is like best player in the league, period, right? It's it's usually the best player on the best team wins it. That's very common. We're going to look at it more from the perspective of this team would be like the most screwed without this guy, right? So maybe it's not the best player in the league. Maybe it's not someone on cloud nine. Maybe it's player on, on a bottom team, right? Like maybe it's Afromu. You know, I'm kind of curious to hear uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I always think stuff is interesting. Uh for me, like MVP, I often, because it's valuable and not best player, you know, like the best yep. player on the best team tends to happen, but I always try and vote like best performance, you know, like who is actually playing the best. Maybe, uh, you know, that often means on the best player on the best team because league is yep. a zero sum game. <laughs> and so like by, yep. if you're performing well, there must be someone performing poorly basically on the other side. Um, but I do like to ask questions like if you remove this player, are they good? You know, is there someone who could do this player's job if you slotted them onto their team? And these kinds of questions to figure out that stuff. Uh, I always think those are good ways to try and come up with like value because uh, that's what right. I'm trying to to take to a little more. Because otherwise, especially early in the LCS, it was just Bjergsen every split because he's the best player. Even if, hey, Jensen had 50 more kills than him this split, didn't win an MVP. Never going to win an MVP because of that. I'm I'm, a, I'm still salty about that split. Anyways, on to the actual question. Sure. Um, player that I think would be irreplaceable basically for their team. I can't actually say Jensen this play because I think Bjergsen could do a lot of what he's doing. Um, or even so not even just like you're not you're not replaceable. More more like who right now, which team, you know, is the most damaged by losing what one player okay. and like what player is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like okay. If, if you take someday off hundred thieves, they're and, so screwed. And they don't they don't just get to get licorice. They have to get someone else, right? Someone <laughs> yeah. new. Are they yeah. just you're the worst team in the league now. Congratulations. If Dignitas lose Aframu and Johnson can't lane with anyone else, are they even like in a single game? <laughs> you know, like you know, right, th- right, right. these these are more what I'm trying to get you to to, to okay, go for. Okay, I got you. Uh, because because we we know well. Like I won't speak for you guys. Maybe it's changed, but for the most part, everyone has been like Labrinisky. You know, like maybe Vulcan. Uh, there's some whispers now about some TL members. You know, maybe a core JJ you're hearing in the back. Maybe a mm-hmm. little bit of Jensen action. But for the most part, it's been only C9 discussion for MVP. Um, you know, so we're trying to move a little bit beyond that and, and talk about some of the really key performers that are, right. are making their team much better than you would think, are making their team function when it otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, and I, I, I want to hesitate around like trying to, you know, 
backdoor into value over replacement where it's like what mm. other top laners are there it's just like imagine they, be, they become a practical yeah, yeah, target yeah. dummy they're like just generic top laner x that's like vaguely lcs level or jungler whatever yeah it's like yeah. someday is top of the list closer is top of the list and actually probably my choice um sure there are technically stronger junglers and his name is blabber but golden guardians are winning because of closer and if you give them a generic jungler you could give them a smithy and i'd be like yeah no this team is nowhere close to the same yeah they're they're a barely playoff team who will maybe win one match whatever like yeah he's not going to win the mvp overall but like closer is the most mandatory player someday pretty similar there as well although you know i, I think how these are a bit less screwed because i think cody's son uh, is solid and Ryoma is getting better and better and you know in a split or so Hunter Thieves could actually like not have someday and be decent we actually saw parts of that um, before when they had other roster shops going around um, back when someday smurfed academy for an entire split and the, the team was okay-ish um, I, I think yeah I think that's an easy one bang another one where it's like yeah bang bang is on the list but there are other piece, pieces of EG that will work pretty well, right? Huni has been known to take over games. Yusuke has done it the same. Golden Guardians do not have a team without closer. He's like just like by far the guy for me. You have a you have an option as Ailer Steiger next. Uh, I mean, for for me, it would be between Afro and Someday. I think right now, I just feel like Ding Toss. Nothing happens on Ding Toss without Afro making it happen. Most of the time, um, you know, maybe that's a little bit less true with with some of the you know the changes and things, but like. In, in general, I feel like he, he has been such a catalyst for the team. Their laning has been good. You know, I think it's so hard to actually look good as a support on a team that is truly bad. And they were 0-8, and eight, and he was still having, like, performances that look pretty good. Um, you know, it's so easy to be that support who's just, like, 0-6 because your team is losing every lane and you have to get vision and you're the one to go die for them over and over. And, like, that wasn't happening to Afro, which I think is is impressive while he was still being able to stay proactive. I also just think Someday has, has been such a catalyst for the team. Like, I, I agree um, that Cody's son is good, but it doesn't feel like 100 Thieves is, like, has, has any, like, pressure in lane without someday because cody sun is generally like he's pretty good in lane but it's more about his late game team fighting ryoma isn't getting it done really in, in lane either um you know jungle contracts had a game or two here or there uh, where he really ran over the, the opponents but besides that you know medios wasn't dominating jungle contracts hasn't the other games so it feels like he, he's he's pretty critical you know there's you, you still could consider a cloud nine or a tl player or whatever if you want if you think that they would really fall apart uh, but i tend i tend to think that it's like Cloud9's playstyle, for example, like if you took away Blabber, would change completely. But I still think they have so much talent that they're a really, really good team. Yeah, for, for me, I, I was going to pick uh, Core JJ, actually. I think Jensen, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough between the two of them. I think they are standouts on their team, and they are tied for first. But I think about how passive this team is, and I, I, I can't imagine how much more passive they would become without Core JJ. I think Jensen does a really good job of getting like leads and advantages, um, mm -hmm. but he's not always like the... I'm going to start a fight myself. He did it a little bit during the Shen game, but outside that game, not as much. And Core JJ, three Bard games, two Blitzcrank games, two Nautilus, two Thresh. Like, he's always so important in, in their fights and getting them started that we're talking about what is almost the most passive team in the league. I think they have the second lowest, com second lowest combined kills per minute, which is kind of crazy for as a second-place team. Yeah. Um, and so, like, with Broxa not being able to get things done... You know, I just can't imagine how this team would function without Core JJ. Like, would they even get any kills? I'm not sure. So now, obviously, they're really good players outside that, but he does. I can't imagine it. He does a lot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's what we're thinking for the Honda MVP discussion this week. 
Now we have some Twitter questions here. This first one comes from Marty Bugatti. He says, with the rise slash return of non-traditional champs in the bot lanes, mages, Wukong, Set, etc., and also just the general existence of Senna, should any teams be considering the 2018 Fnatic approach and put a soul laner as bot lane slash support? My, my initial reaction is just a no, um, because nope. I don't think that there are so many different ones. Um, you know, you said the existence of Senna. I think that's key. If you try to do this, people are going to ban Senna out every single time. And then you're kind of getting, you know, pigeonholed in, into some of these atypical lanes. I just don't think works well. Yeah, so Gregor's bot lane. Yeah, I, I I would be curious to find a team that just plays full non-marksman down there. And it's like, no, 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 we're, you know, we're the Doinby of bot lane. We're just, it's it's mostly, you know, set Yasuo down here and stuff. We're going to go have fun and, you know, find the other combos. Uh, I, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of those comps because teams don't know how to land against them. They're for sure going to miss the openings where there were plays, and they're going to miss the openings where you can all in them. Uh, there's something there. It requires a lot of effort, but uh, I don't think you have to necessarily move players around. You could. I think it would be okay. I mean, we saw Perks make the transition pretty well. Uh, he won, you know, a bunch doing that. So, you know, possibilities are certainly there. But uh, I wouldn't just, like, sub out Bang for Huni because we want to play some Wukong. Yeah, I think... Uh... That's the thing is if it's just like, hey, could you ever flex your players instead of flexing the champions? You know, mm -hmm. like that is more likely. But if you're talking about the actual Fnatic one, which is they bench Reckless and put Whippo in, no one should really be doing that. Yeah. Uh, and that was on Reckless anyway. Like Reckless is like, March but aren't viable. I'm on the bench. Get in there. Like yeah. that was what happened. Like that was that making I'm not the most even over I'm not even overstating it. Like that's he actually what himself. happened. Yeah. Yeah. He's like literally March but aren't viable as ruler goes and wins an LCK split. Yeah, you know, and as still, Izzy like, was as playing real, only marksman ever and, and yeah. slamming LPL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So whatever. Those are player pretty good players though. Ruler and Nosy. Not bad. Not bad. All right, uh, next question here. This one comes from Quinn. It says, truly a stupid hypothetical. Uh, great. Love it already. Any I'm players in NA who could be slotted into C9 to make C9 better with time to build synergy, or is C9's vibe as good as it gets, or is Reaper just as good as it gets? Um, I really can't think of too many. I think... I wouldn't even say Licorice for Someday. I'm not convinced Someday's actually better right now. Let alone like synergy yeah. being a concern. Core for it, Vulcan is a consideration. That's probably the closest that you can get, right? I think Jensen for Niski is a consideration. It would be a different style, right? You would be a different style. You would have less of a hard roamer who is like ready to follow up Blabber at all times, but you have a more dominant laner to ensure mid is never showing up when Blabber does stuff. So, like, there's a case to be made. I'm not necessarily on board either, but like, there are maybes. But I, I would be like, hey, look, it's work with C9. I would never as a GM make that choice, but mm -hmm. you know, I have a short list of if someone leaves, here's who I wanted to get. The, the, just to play devil's advocate a bit, mm -hmm. consider Zven's performance on TSM versus Zven's performance on C9. Consider how, how Vulcan looks. Oh. Still good. Vulcan still look good, you know, off C9 versus on I'm C9. Clutch. Right. Do do you now reconsider it all? Right? Because these players have looked so much better on this team. Does that mean, and I'm not saying it does, but I'm supposed to question, does that mean that C9 just makes you better by nature of being on C9 because their organization is better, because Reaper is a better coach? Because if that is the argument, then maybe someone who is performing at a similar level to a C9 player would be better than that player once they're on C9. I would I would give the the examples of you know Jensen still being great off C9. I would mm -hmm. give Zazel still basically being more or less the same player yeah. uh, on, on EG. Um, so I think 
this is a one of those everything came together and force multiplier everyone's amazing better yeah. than than they would look in any other situation and that's why it feels hard to to move them out of it and then put someone in who's expected to also get that multiplication effect because even blabber as great as he is i really don't think you could take him and put him on at some other team and he's still the, the greatest all-time jungler we've ever seen through the first 50 games or whatever you know those those stats were saying mm-hmm. i think he's still great still maybe the best jungler in the league but not like all-time greatest looking i agree yeah yeah i i, I tend to agree i think it's, it's hard to replicate this especially the style that c9 is playing with some mm-hmm. of these other players and you don't know how they how they would plug and play but i do think that there is potential like no one really knows until it happens right and i think that's all i was trying to get at with the zven example yeah because so many people were like zven is washed up zven can't lane all he does is late game stuff and even then he's gonna mess up and you know like this player sucks right basically mm-hmm. and yeah. and he's pretty much the agreed upon best marksman in the league now and and I do think that it's it's just important to consider how sometimes how uh, the pieces around a player or the player that the style that the team is playing don't always fit, and you can have you know a resurgence uh, with different pieces around you with things fitting better. Exactly, which is why we blame TSM for holding Sven back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you go. All right, now we got some anchor questions. Remember, you guys can send us the questions on Twitter using hashtag the dive lol. You can also search anchor.fm. Uh, the dive, if you Google that, that'll come up. I should actually just learn what the real page is. Maybe it's anchor.fm slash dive. I don't really know. Anyway, Google it until then. First question here is from Connor Weiser. Hey, guys. Love the show. Assuming that your favorite video game is League of Legends, what is your second favorite video game to play and or watch? Bold assumption that I like League of Legends. Yeah, how dare you? First off. None of us like League of Legends. Uh, it, are, we talking, are we talking all time or like current? I assume current. Okay. Because current right. for me is Path of Exile uh, because I'm trying to listen to more audiobooks, but I need something to do in the foreground. I cannot listen to audiobooks in the foreground. So I, I play Path of Exile, mine off, running through maps, and I listen to yep. the first Law Trilogy. That's good. How many challenges done are you? I hit 22 last night. I'm, I'm slacking a bit. How far in are you on this league? You have no idea. I, okay. I, I, so one, I hate okay. this league. Harvest oh, sucks. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> Harvest is the stupidest crap I've ever seen. I hate it. <laughs> For someone who's trying to be mine off, it's like, build. You're playing oh, You're playing farming games now. I I'm like, no, you. I'm not. I'm not playing this. I'm solo self-found. Okay. I don't even care Wait, about trading. Okay. That's funny because Harvest is really good for solo cell phone. We're going to get off topic. I don't know Sorry. if it's an important one. We no, should talk okay. more off this. We will. We'll talk, we'll no, talk about it after the show. topic is fantastic. I know. Uh, for me, actually, uh, it's right now it's it's Valorant. Um, three months ago, it was Legends of Runeterra. Three months before that, it was Teamfight Tactics. Riot I just show. bounced across. Well, so I didn't think I liked <laughs> I auto battles. And I played TFT and enjoyed it. I knew I liked card games. I played a lot of Hearthstone before LR came out. And I played a lot of Counter-Strike before Valorant came out. Um, like, you know, if, if Riot makes a single player RPG, they'll have just completed the quadrifecta of all my, all my favorite genres. So, you know, if you want to beat uh, a certain Polish developer to making a nice cyberpunk, you know, you know, noir future RPG, Riot can have all my money. Um, <clears throat> but regardless, yeah, right now it's, it's probably Valorant. Um, it's a great game. Sweet. All right. For, for me... Um, I mean, if I if I have to talk like all time, while well, I was obviously up there, just because that that's literally what got me into esports. That's literally that game changed my life, and I think kind of like led me to to where my career is now. Uh, currently, I'm I'm really enjoying uh, Last of Us Two. I've been playing through it. I have some frustrations with the game, um, 
but overall i really like it i saw i saw like the critic reviews are great i know the user reviews aren't good on it um but i don't really know exactly why that is my only frustration i would say with last of us 2 is i essentially feel like it's an exploration game you know it's like i i love like looking around these environments because the game is gorgeous and playing it on ps4 pro on a nice tv it's like it's really fun to look at uh but my only frustration is that like sometimes you'll like pass a barrier and you're just like locked into the next zone or whatever now right but there's no nece- there's no way to really tell when you're going through one of these areas where it's just going to like go to a cinematic so you like go through a door and then it just kind of like goes into this like mini cinematic where like you know a block falls behind you or whatever and like well shit i still wanted to see what else was back there like i you know i missed my yeah. scavenge or like I, I missed uh materials or things back there because if you're playing, especially on the higher difficulties, there's like really limited ammo and like finding, you know, upgrades and things that is actually important. So that's my only frustration, but it's a really beautiful. How game. far in are you? Oh, God. Uh, a lot How many of hours? A few hours. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. 30, 40, maybe more. I haven't played the game, but I can parrot some people's critiques. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, don't I won't. I won't. We'll, but... we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it another <laughs> time. But enjoying it so far. Hey, guys. My question is. With mages being included in the bot lane meta for a while now, mostly just Syndra, but I'm wondering why Azir is not being played as an option as well. It scales with attack speed really well into late game. Uh, it has utility, some gank assist. So I'm just wondering what could make this more viable or why it's not being played. Uh, I'm going to go for a quick answer here. Uh, Azir is really hard to play. Like Azir is... <laughs> monstrously difficult and it requires i would say over 100 games to get to an lcs level now that said if you know doublelift wanted to spend three weeks of solo queue grinding on azir to get it ready so that they could flex that to bot lane you could get it ready right and and that might be worthwhile but that's the amount of time it takes to get a pick of that level ready to go for the benefit of well we could blind azir and then flex it at some point when like that's a pretty small amount of benefit when other things could be practiced. So I will usually give pros the benefit of the doubt in that kind of term because it, it just the, the, the time to benefit ratio is not there. Um, but that said, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I would love to see more non-standard bot lanes because I think there is stuff on the table that's not being used. I, I think uh, for me, this is purely hypothetical and I'd love to ask a smarter player this, but I wonder if it has to do a lot with trading pattern because when you play Azir, your mana is not actually great. Um, and a lot of what you do is you press W in a position that can hit the creeps and zone the person out. And then you kind of like position with your soldier trying to be in the middle of them. And if they try and walk through it, you hit them. And you, you kind of, it's, it's very positioning dependent. Um, and if there's two people, and like it's harder, especially if they're double range. Like the way that you want to actually lane Azir and trade with Azir is mostly this kind of like W auto to get yeah. the short trade. If they take it again, you Q auto again. And you don't want to do too much beyond that. Whereas a lot of other bot laners can spam their spells a little bit more in terms of the mages that go down there. Um, and Azir is really not WQ, WQ, WQ. It's mostly just Wing and trying to shove the wave until you get more mana items and stuff. And I think you would actually really struggle trading patterns when there's more than one target especially especially with the builds that people are going these days which is actually a lot of people have just uh at first it was ludens then it was just lost chapter now it's like not Nashers even lost chapter yeah, yeah exactly right it's like dark seal and adoran's ring right um I, I also think that you know one of the things that you know i'm trash as your player i've only played a handful of games it's really hard mm-hmm. uh but you know one of the things that that i i always really felt is that your your cooldowns in the early game are actually very long Right. 
and and I do think that the soldier positioning that you're talking about is really key, especially if you actually use your key, your cue to move the soldiers to attack one person. Uh, there's the ability, if it's double range, for them to just move around that and continue to attack you. You cannot fight back without mm-hmm. your soldiers fighting, right? Like your your actual auto attacks are pretty trash. And I also think that the the ability to all in is here is very high. And I think that you would be really susceptible to engage supports. Um, any engage support plus something that can follow up, I think, would be incredibly dangerous. So. I do think that Azir might struggle to lane, and and also, like Freak said, it's just so hard. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Dive. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Freak, for joining us and for not being disappointed in us. Appreciate that. And thank you you to Honda for making this show possible, as well as for making my car possible. We will be returning (laughs) to our regular schedule next week as we all return finally from vacation because I'm going to be gone unless Mark decides he wants some vacation. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Who knows? But that's going to be it. 